Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. This episode is brought to you by Untapped and the Untapped Merch Store. Use the coupon code PODCAST and get 20% off your next purchase. Hint, hint, Christmas gifts. That's right. And I'm Harrison. So tonight we are going big while also going local and celebrating my favorite part of the past nine months. All in one beer. Uh, wild stuff. Stay tuned. The local part is extremely fitting because, well, today... If you're listening to this, the day this podcast came out is one of the biggest drinking days of the year in the U.S., the day before Thanksgiving. John and I are already thinking about this Sunday, November 29th, a.k.a. Small Brewers Sunday. So if you didn't know already, Untapped has partnered up with the Brewers Association to celebrate with uh, beer lovers like you guys. Encourage everyone to support independent breweries, brew pubs, and tap rooms and seek the independent craft brewer seal. Purchase craft beer for your holidays festivities, all that fun stuff. We'll deep dive uh, into that in a moment. But first, beer. John, what are we drinking today? <laughs> I'm excited about this one. Um, it's 10%. Is that why I'm excited? Yeah. Um, the beer we're drinking today, if you're watching Harrison's dramatic reveal on YouTube, is called Pillow Fort <laughs> from Edmonds Oast out in South Carolina and Flying Machine Brewery right here where we live in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, so it's a collaboration. Both of these brewers are arguably or relatively local to us, but one of them is like I could ride my bike there in five minutes. Likewise. Uh, so this is a triple IPA which instantly to me means it's going to be at least 10% and everything else doesn't matter. Um, so aside from being a collaboration, it's also a triple dry hopped. They use uh, Azaka, Mosaic, and Comet hops for flavor. They use two-row malt and some flaked oats and some wheat. And a uh, quick shout out. We've talked about Flying Machine a few times on the podcast. Uh, it's like a, a local brewery. Edmonds Oast out in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. If you've never been there and you're ever planning on visiting Charleston, it's a great city to drink in. That's it. Um, Edmonds Oast, amazing tap room. It's huge. They've got a bar that's longer than two of my houses. <laughs> they have like 20 some of their own beers on tab. They have guest beers. They have a great cellar and the food. The yep. like the meat plate, as I as I refer to right, it right. Uh, lovingly, Edmonds Oaks, great place. If you're ever in the area, make sure you check them out. But Harrison, uh, let's get to this beer. Have you sipped it yet? I've How's it? I've smelled it, and it's. Whew, let's take a sip, and then we'll talk about the smells and the sips and all these things. Mm. Oh, we just drank Treehouse. This smells similar. I know it's just an aroma, but I'm excited to jump in. Yeah, I got like 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 guava was like the first fruit that I smelled in the nose. Whoo. And then drinking it right, it's like, man. Yes, yes to oats. Triple oats everything. Yes. I mean, because this is so, you know, it's velvety smooth. There's like that little hit of booze that like comes warm in the end. And then it's yeah, it's like tropical fruit blankets i guess like happy warm fuzzy blankets not like us like a comforter with a sheet over it whatever you call that i'm talking a furry blanket here like a fuzzy furry tongue blanket 
It's working. 10%. That was getting a little bit, that was getting a little bit not safe for work. Um, there's probably already a beer called Tongue Blanket, and I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to hear about that one. Um, but I, I totally agree. Oh. The first sip, it, the aroma, tropical, fruity, it reminds me of, we uh, just on the last episode, we drank Julius and Green, and it had the same sort of like, you're about to get New England in the face yeah. smell to it. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's really just punching right up there. And I, I mean, I think the Azaka is known for um, the tropical fruit flavors that that it kicks off, um, like a mix of tropical fruits. So not surprising that like uh, that guava kind of jumped at me. But there's also a bit of mango happening in here, and like tangerine almost, like a that kind of sweeter. Yeah, like a almost like a spicy, like when you get like. Uh, not the pith of a citrus fruit, but like sometimes on an orange peel, if you're running it over, like trying to get some right. zest and you get into that like peppery flavor. Yep. Yeah, there's a spice. It's also known as, yeah, some people pick up like spicy kind of mango, which I'm getting. It's the, I guess, and then to, for a fin- final thought for me or whatever, this is like, it's so drinkable. I'm like already terrified that I've had as much as I've already, as I've had knowing that I'm just going to probably sip this and not realize how quickly I'm drinking it. Cause it's really good. It's, you know, that's, that's the battle. That's the battle of anything above an IPA really, you know, um, depending on hop content is like, how can I make this not when you're getting more alcoholic, how can I make this not like a heavy beer to drink or a cloying beer to drink? How can I use these malts to like work with the hops and not have it be turned into a barley wine basically, which, nothing wrong with barley wines we'll talk about them in a sec but um, but that's not what this beer is supposed to be so uh how do you how do you make that balance and this is like right crazy light for as boozy as it is too this is awesome wow yeah i get a there's uh there's a little syrupiness in there that adds a little bit of weight to me it could be coming from the oats or the immense amount of dry hops but i get like kind of a heavier flavor there which is now i'm realizing impossible to describe that would be the only thing that tipped me off that would make me think right. you know ooh, this might be a little bit bigger yeah. than like a six seven percent ipa it's it stays in my mouth a little yeah. bit there's definitely a heat to it there's a little bit of heat to it I mean, and it, I, you know it's like kind of sitting on the back of my tongue too if it were the second or third beer I was drinking in the night, I wouldn't notice that at all. And then I would just be wondering why Uber's taking so long to answer my Facebook message or like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, yes, that's glad. Good thing. Right. We started off the evening with, uh, with this guy and speaking of, so this is a triple IPA, as John said, as you guys know, we've been pulling from the BJCP for just some guidelines. as We drink these beers to kind of see we hold, you know, stack up what we're tasting and smelling compared to industry standards and uh, may come as not much of a surprise. The BDCP doesn't even have a triple IPA category. Um, so I know that in, in years past, um, breweries have submitted that to like the American Strong Ale category um, or the double IPA because that does go up to like 9% or so. So if you have a triple IPA that's 9%, maybe... For the Great American Beer Festival, it's a double IPA to get in that category. 
regardless, um, we kind of pulled just the double IPA, which is 22A, and the American Barley Wine, which is 22C. Both of them, I believe, are subsets, actually, of just the American IPA. Because um, this beer, we thought, going into it, without drinking it, may land kind of in between um, those two. So let's give a quick, I'll give a quick overview, and we'll see see what's happening. So for a double IPA, overall, it's intensely hoppy, fairly strong pale ale with big, rich, complex maltiness and residual sweetness and body of an American barley wines. Already we're talking about barley wines. Strongly hopped, but clean, dry, and lacking harshness. Okay, I would agree with that so far. Um, and drinkability is an important characteristic. So there we go. This should not be a heavy sipping beer. Interesting. So that actually talks, feels like this beer almost to a T already, which is, is pretty wild. Um, yeah. Complex maltiness, residual sweetness. Um, I would have never guessed, I would have never said this reminds me of a barley wine, but if you reading the specs, yeah, and, yes. And that's just for the, yeah, the double IPA for American barley wine. So I chose that one because, yeah, the English style is less hop forward, but the American is known to be really big in body, but then also have a strong hop profile. So for American barley wine, the overall impression there is a well-hopped American interpretation of the richest and strongest of the English ales. Hop character should be evident throughout, but does not have to be unbalanced. Alcohol strength and not bitterness often combine to leave a very long finish. So I am getting the long finish from this beer a bit. We kind of just spoke about it, that kind of like linger, lingering warmth in the back of my tongue. So it, it is just from like the high level look at double IPAs and American barley wines. This beer, you could argue, is kind of living in the middle, although it really is close to the, to a T of what a double the description of a double IPA. Uh, which is, and it's not that far off, right? Double IPAs could be nine, just a little bit more ABV, right? Just a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I think a, I think a perfect kind of comparison there. But now I want a big barley wine as well, though probably not tonight. That's right. That's me calling Uber and demanding they bring me tacos when I guess they do that now. So maybe I wouldn't yeah, be actually. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't. We haven't. Have we done a barley wine on drinking socially? Oh. Uh, uh, we talked about doing one, um, one that I love, um, but I don't think we ever did it. So and I, no, I don't think we have, John. I think the biggest beer we did was Black Tuesday. Um, thanks, Mike, if you're listening. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's going to be hard to beat. The last, that was the last beer of the night. That was a heck of a night. Um, yeah, not yet. So season four, keep your eyes peeled. I think we'd be silly not to do it then. Yeah, I totally agree. Barley wines are great. Um, I like to wait as long as I possibly can before I drink them. That's for me, that's probably the bigger difference. If I see an American or English or anything barley wine, 11, 12 percent, I'm buying it. I'm not even looking at the date. I'm not going to open it until next year. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I see a triple IPA, uh, I'm drinking it as soon as I as soon as it's cold. I know. And, and I would not recommend aging this beer, but there's something to be said for um, there can be com- comparisons made in like the malt bill and even the hop like bill and the, gr- and the dry hop schedule of like an American barley wine and a triple IPA. They, they can be very similar like ingredient profiles, but the kind of final step of almost every barley wine recipe is age this beer. Well, triple IPA is, you know, condition it, bought it, get it out, like get it out there. So time, you, I mean, that'd be a fun 
experiment and you know to do of to kind of right grab a barley wine or grab a triple IPA and sit on them maybe from the same brewery or similar recipes or whatnot we can do some research to see if that's that's out there and see kind of what they both taste like after a little bit because again we forget we live in this world of hops now better fresher the better when they were literally they literally were put in beer to make it last longer so <laughs> the functionality part of the hop is kind of taking a back seat so maybe that's worth uh investigating and if anyone's going to do it you and me john so well yes, lots, lots, lots coming down the pipe lots it's probably already happening on accident somewhere in my fridge <laughs> <laughs> surprise it's yeah. gonna later tonight oh wow but this is good this is tasty i'm, I'm trying to like keep it a, an arm's length for now because i know i'm just gonna oh there's more in the can surprise yeah it drinks maybe a little bit easier than i wanted it to well no i mean it was uh, Harrison and I usually record our episodes like after uh, a work day. So drinking these beers right. sometimes sometimes is more of a mandate than a, yeah. than, a than an exercise. But I know. Uh, and, yeah. And a quick note about both these breweries, as John said, I mean, Fly Machine, they're awesome. They're local guys. You know, I drink everything I can from them as my untapped profile or both of ours really will, you know, you can evidence is there. And Edmonds Oast is so good too. If you had not had their stuff and have a chance to grab it anywhere, they make an American porter that's like 4.7%, but it tastes like 6%. I think it's called Armchair or some comfy armchair. Great name. But they have just cool like label art. It's all the black and white stuff. If you're on you're able to see this one on the uh, YouTube you're watching here for Pillow Fort, which is a castle getting hit by a bunch of pillows, which is also a cool name. Very funny. Throwing back very, like, I'm getting uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail vibes from it. Um, but, yeah, great artwork. The food's amazing. It's like an experience when you go there. It really yeah. is. It's just like, wow. That's one of those. If you told me you are going to Charleston, yeah. I, like Charlestown Fermentary, um, but Edmonds Oast would be on my list of the places you owe yourself to visit. And a cool little Easter egg is the, the brewer, or I should say one of the brewers, because there's a bunch of them at Flying Machine. Um, but one of the brewers before he was at Flying Machine in Wilmington was brewing at Edmonds Oast That's in it. Charleston. And I think before that, he was actually brewing uh, for a brewery in Vietnam. That's right. Um, because we have one of his beers we're supposed to drink on the podcast from Vietnam eventually. Um, one day, one day we'll get there. That's a beer that's worth aging for a little while. Yeah. But the point of this, of us bringing on and talking about uh, Flying Machine local to us and Edmonds Oast, uh, an hour and a half, well, probably three hour drive away, but. Um, yeah. Is, is the small brew Sunday that the Brewers Association put together. And it's, you know, I think it's, I think it's a great initiative what the Brewers Association does really, first of all, with, you know, they, they, they claim seek the seal is like the, yes. the kind of trendy hashtag, but they've created a, a, it's a seal, not like the ones in the water. I guess it's more <laughs> like an icon or a badge. Right. Yes. That's um, and as a brewery, there's qualifications you have to meet to be able to put this on your beer label. You have to produce less than so like 6 million barrels per year. You have to own over, you have to own most of your brewery. You can't have like financial investment from some giant corporation and you have to be a brewery. Um, but there's also like retailers and, and people can 
applied to utilize this badge to show off. Basically, anywhere you see this badge, this independent brewer's badge, uh, you know you're supporting an independent craft brewer. And that's kind of the idea behind Small Brew Sunday, uh, only a little bit more focused, Harris. And I'm, I know you're in the middle of taking a sip of pillow for it, so I'll interrupt you mm-hmm. and ask if you can just kind of run down. For those of you that haven't heard before, uh, Small Brew Sunday is mainly focused here in the U.S., but kind of give us a breakdown of, of what this holiday entails, Harrison. Sure. Yeah. So kind of as I alluded to in the in the beginning um, intro, it's really just to um, kind of get out to your support locals, whether it's, you know, neighborhood tap rooms or brew pubs or bottle shops, get pints, growlers, stock your fridge, whatever you'd usually do, grab a gift card um, and to be thinking about them into the kind of the holiday season. It's, it's always it has been for a couple of years now. This has been a day, right? I don't remember the exact day it began. But. The, the first time I remember earning the badge was two years ago on Untapped. Okay. Perfect. Uh-oh. Um, and the badge again this year too, of course. Say, right. So to check in and, and get that badge, um, all you have to do is check in between November 17th and the 29th uh, to a, a brewery that's uh, from a beer from any brewery that's part of the Brewery Association. And there's a list um, both on the Brewery Association website, but also Untapped at a blog post about it. So untapped.com slash blog. You'll be able to find it there. More information about how to get this badge, the breweries that qualify. It's obviously tons of them. Um, to get this year's version of the badge. But this has been awesome just kind of hearing the conversations um, on taps and having with the Brewer Association to try to make a beer deal about it this year. Obviously, it's super important, uh, you know, always to support local, but now more than ever, um, you could easily argue. So, yeah, get out there. I mean, I'm, we all are, but uh, it's good to kind of think local first. Um, that was it's, Dogfish Head had an old bumper sticker that I think they took from like a cool, more widely known. 70s slogan that was think globally drink locally that's what dogfish heads said that i had on my beat up 1990 super legacy until the <laughs> fell out of it um uh but that's but it's a simple sentiment but it's uh you know it's a uh, it's it's one i think we can all get behind and pretty cool and i'm glad we're taking some time a specific date and really week when people are drinking a lot to say hey why not grab the local IPA? Um, that's an easy sell for me every time. And I'll do yeah. that. This, uh, this I mean, year. if you enjoy craft beer, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already qualified. Yeah. Um, if you, you enjoy craft beer, the most important thing you can do is, well, there's a lot of important things you can do, you know, pay <laughs> your bills, yeah. breathe those, those sort of basic things. But as a contributor, you know, whether you're a home brewer or you want to open up a commercial brewer or you just like beer, yeah, you know, look locally, go to that local bottle shop, support them, go to your local brewery, whether it is a five minute bike ride or a 20 minute trip. Uh, if you're allowed to safely, 2020 has just basically sucked. Mm-hmm. But even there, like, you know, if you can grab a gift card from that local brewery, put it in someone's stocking for Christmas. And, you know, when the timing is a little bit more safe, all those things like those local craft breweries, like that's, that's where we got Trillium. That's where people learned how to brew that opened up Treehouse. Like these are really important to, to support when, uh, especially near you, wherever you are. Um, it's not just us either. There's, 
uh, like Harrison was telling me, there's more like in the U.S. It's the Brewers Association Independent Seal, you know, Small Brew Sunday. But there's what Harrison like almost every country has their own version of that. Yeah, the UK has the SEBA Independent Brewers. Australia has their own version of this. The Ask for Indie Beer is like a hashtag that's part of the IBA there. Canada has the Craft Brewery Microbrasserie Independent Seal. So there's a ton. Another one in Europe that tried to happen, maybe didn't. We tried, we digging around and saw like an attempt in 2018 of a bunch of countries in uh, the European Union to kind of get something together unsure the result there but the point is yes this is right not just you know um something that the u.s is doing there's independently owned breweries all over the world more open every day and they you know of course rely on that local community to exist and as john said you know well well put that like right these breweries you know create brewers to go to open up their next the next brewery and that next brewery there is some guy i think i said it like even two episodes ago there's some guy out there is going to make the next treehouse or the next trillium or the next you know alchemist or Pliny the elder like he's probably at a small brewery somewhere right now just dreaming up his brewery idea and you supporting that brewery is going to help that happen and then we can all enjoy it when it does so that's dude exciting so I mean, Drecker in South Dakota, no offense, South Dakota, there wasn't much of a reason to go visit before. <laughs> now you got one of the most exciting breweries in the world making beer out there, 450 North in Indiana. That's a farm. You yeah. know, that was like 10 years ago, you might go to a corn maze and now they're producing beer, which, you know, yeah, it's it's subjective um, on whether you want to take a risk of a can exploding, but you do, you do want to take a risk. Their beers sound incredible and it's, it's supporting local that helps keep those people in business. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of local Ooh. Harrison. Yeah. We're going to keep that theme going right now. So slight pivot, but not really. So all this local talk, John and I, we were putting the show together thought you know you know beyond beer there are a lot of kind of great local legends or local myths or local what's sort of looking for um go bills things people do (laughs) (laughs) you know geographically relevant experiences one can have based on where they are so we thought instead of kind of as a rapid fire today we'd run through kind of some head-to-head classic local favorites that we all hopefully know or at least somewhat familiar with and kind of pick a pick between them and maybe throw in a couple of breweries in there that we would um you know pair with this experience we're going to run through so i'm going to start and give john what might be hopefully since it's me on the other side of this is a toss-up um john would you take a boston lobster roll or a philly cheesesteak either which ones what are you going Ooh. for Dude, you hit me with the food. Um, <laughs> we need right now. I mean, Boston lobster rolls sound amazing. There's nothing wrong with them at all. Sure. But most of my life has mandated a Philly cheesesteak. Mm. I want something. I don't want a sophisticated sandwich most nope. of the time. I want I want the Whiz Whip. I want warm meat. I want, it's probably, yeah, I can tell because you're laughing. I can tell that's not the way I'm supposed to order it. Where do you go to Pat and Gino's? Oh, the back of the line. If you said that, John, they'd say the back of the line, but it's okay. You'd be with Damn it. I'll learn again. Um, I would, I would, if you were offering me right now, I think 
I mean, I have a, a natural dislikeness for Boston being a native New Yorker. Sure. Um, and that's probably our rival city, um, uh, like one of the, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Philly cheesesteaks. And uh, like Boston crushes beer. It's a great city aside from my illegitimate dislikeness towards them. Sure. Um, Boston's a phenomenal city, great food, great beer, but Philly, I think tired hands, first of all, like just outside the city, I think monks, there's amazing beer scene, but one of them that I'd be most excited to try is Levante just outside the city. You can follow them on untapped. You can look at their whole beer menu on untapped. And personally, they're one of those breweries that like I'm I'm expecting in a couple of years they'll be distributing to North Carolina or something. They seem to have really grown. People appreciate them. And that's I like that. I like seeing those breweries in an area that I can't get. I mean, yeah. I don't like seeing and I wish I could get them, but but it makes me want to travel and drink. We drank a beer from fermentary form. Yes, it, that's uh, right. And like the scary, as I told that story, like the one of the one of the interesting parts of Philadelphia that you got to be interesting. You go to it, yeah. Um, so okay, so Philly cheesesteaks, and some of that is because I want to drink the beer around Philly as well. Harrison, uh, a challenge to you, and this is more local to me. Um, we stole one from Syracuse, but in Buffalo, you can get a garbage plate. That's right, and it's. It's great. It's just, it's basically anything we can fry on a plate with a variety of sauces. It's everything you want in the world, warm, crispy on a delicious plate. Or would you choose going to Pittsburgh and having a Roethlisberger? Well, so this is deep in thought and I, and, and, you know, I had to kind of look, look inside myself to find the answer here. Cause I originally was leaning maybe more towards that old, that old Raffles burger, which if you don't know, is like a burger with eggs and stuff on it and like a cheesesteak bun. It's kind of a crazy sandwich experience, but I'd be right. My heart will always end the night in, you know, face first in a garbage plate, I think. So, um, <laughs> and right. And I just love the, the open endedness of it, right? A bunch of fried kind of meat, hots and patats and all Jeez, that. Who knows? <laughs> all these amazing things that, like, right, exactly. A lot of the times when I was single, I think I made a garbage plate every night. I just didn't know <laughs> that's what it was. It was kind of what's left over. Can I put cheese and mustard and ketchup on it? And it's kind a of variety of hot pockets. Right, exactly. <laughs> when you slice them all up, it, yeah, it's you know, your own helper. Um, so, right. So that's, I think, if I'm honest with myself, is where where my kind of true heart is is ungood for my heart as it probably would be um, would fall in this category. And you know, I and it would maybe more than anything else pair great with a beer from a place like Thin Man. You know, you know, they're they do nothing but crank out amazing beers. Um, and you know they have a couple of different Buffalo locations now. I think even one out and outside of Buffalo. I think they have a, a third. But Bliss is their like you know Imperial IPA that everybody knows that they make and that uh, yeah to enjoy a Bliss and a, I mean that's it. Garbage plate is Bliss. What a natural pairing. Uh, you know you couldn't couldn't write it any better. So if I'm if I got to pick, I'm going garbage plate and I'm going to have a blissful evening with some Thin Man along the way. All right. That's awesome. Thanks for the thin man. Shout out those guys. 
Uh, there's a great story I hope to share with everyone sometime down the road about like yeah. the origin of Thin Man and the Blue Monk Cafe earlier, and like yeah. there, there, there was such a cool coming up story in Buffalo. Yeah. But, we'll have to get some Thin Man, and we'll do it then. That's I think that's an easy. That's easy. Sold. Sold. Garbage plates and bliss and tales from your. That sounds like a great. This is all. We're coming with great ideas tonight. We're killing it. All right, let's move away from food a little bit. Um, and instead, this experience is much more hands-on, at least it usually is. So, uh, John, to you, we have two kind of sports experiences now. I'm talking about the Lambeau Leap, which, of course, is made famous at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, uh, where the Packers play, or uh, the Sweet Caroline kind of seventh-inning stretch at Fenway Park. Which two experiences are you going for, and kind of what's what's happening next? Yeah. Uh, first question: Where's Fenway Park? Mm, Fenway. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but seriously, keep breaking my heart, Boston. Um, I feel like you're doing this on purpose. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> I might have. I don't know what I was thinking. Now, "Sweet Caroline" is a fun song to sing. It's 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 something to unite, and it's an anthem of the people. And earlier in my life, when I was getting uh, when I was drinking beer responsibly in Canada, because it was the only country that would allow me to at 19, <laughs> Sweet Caroline was like they're closing the bar anthem. And I, I right. found that to be magical. But Go. football, football mm. owns my heart. Baseball's great. It's a spreadsheet sport. It's an amazing yes. bit of data that you get to watch play out sometimes slowly. But if you can go to a baseball game, it's a totally different experience. I, I, amen to that. The first Phillies game I ever went to, I felt like I was at the Roman Coliseum. I think it was like 20, quick aside, 20 or 2005 or six. They were horrible. Last place in the division. And I walked in. And immediately it was like 10 guys fighting 11 guys and security guards breaking them up. People were dropping cheesesteaks on themselves. Like the game was irrelevant. What was going on in the stand was like to pick your poison. Do you want to see the person proposing or the people getting divorced? Do you want to see a fist fight or a man making balloon animals out of like, you know, some stranger's shirt? Cause he's just been you know, mainline giggling since he woke up that morning. So like, see, right. That is an experience young and old. Um, uh, even if the game itself is is kind of in everyone's yeah, kind of rearview mirror. But anyway, the, the game's a reason for us to get together and cheer. <laughs> for that, any uh, sporting event, if you can attend in person, I've always had a good time at even, the, it, it, okay, I'm a Bills fan. Most of it involved us losing. But similar to the Lambo Leap, we would jump off of our trucks and break tables. Uh, um, now, the Lambo Leap, not quite as crass. But I'm going to pick the Lambo leap. Um, and now anybody that's listening in Boston is like, dang, John just hates Boston. I don't. I love. It's a great town. I love Boston. But as a public figure, I have to I have to maintain my appearances. And right. I, as a as a native sort of New Yorker from Buffalo, I have to. And there's some disdain for Boston publicly, privately. Love your city. Um so I'm going to pick Lambo Leap, and it's mainly because there's a brewery that someone turned me on to recently called Noble Roots yeah. out in Green Bay. And this is serendipitous, but Noble Roots has a collaboration series they do called Locals Only. Perfect. And they've done collaborations with other breweries local to them 
we're talking about local beer and small brew Sunday. I think I'm Lambo leaping. Hopefully it's a Bills win in uh, in Green Bay. Uh, even though we don't often go there, it would be winter no matter what season it is. Um, and hopefully I'm drinking Noble Roots either in the tailgate or in the stadium. That's um, I love it. I got one more for you, Harrison, and yeah. this will be fun. We'll keep it non-food. All right. Um, think holidays, right? You got the weekend, you got a three day weekend, um, and you're making plans and you're at the airport. Now Mm -hmm. you've all your bags are packed. My question is, are you going surfing in San Diego or wherever they surf out in California, but mainly San Diego, because that's a cool beer city. Or are you going skiing in Colorado, skiing or surfing? Mm. And those are right. That, and I grew up doing both. So this is a tough one for me to kind of right pick pick between basically what I'm doing in my brain is pick between cold and hot, which is actually <laughs> an easy decision as I can't <laughs> nothing but move farther and farther south since I was able to make my own decisions. Um, but uh, so again, it's, it's tough as it is amazing as Colorado is, and this is no slight to Colorado. This San Diego calls this is it's got a, it's got my number. Uh, it always has. I was lucky to go out there a couple of times in college. Um, for some sporting tournaments uh, and we'd surf every time we went out there and everyone was cool and fish tacos were everywhere. And it was just, it was, it was a place that like immediately I could get on that level. So um, any excuse to go back to San Diego, I would take it up in a heartbeat and you know, really as, as great as the surfing would be as soon as the sun goes down and the sharks come out and I get out of the water, which I almost figured out the hard way. The first time I went there, <laughs> Because <laughs> you look a lot like a seal. Who's tickling my feet? Who is that? Am I alone? What's happening? Where's my buddy? Um, but uh, I, I'd probably just shoot up the what the one or whatever the road is uh, outside of San Diego a little bit to San Marcos, uh, where Port Bruin and Los Abbey are. I mean, how could you not? There's so many great breweries there. You could easily just stay in San Diego and go to you know Coronado on the actual Coronado Island they have amazing gear i mean stone is just you know right there as well um but you know for me one of the beers really defined my early craft beer life was mongo double ipa from port brewing just an amazing double ipa so if i could surf in the morning and have you know mongo in the evening sign me up that's it you know hook line and sinker i'm ready to live there even if it's a shack on the beach Unfortunately, the shacks in San Diego are a little expensive, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I can dream. Uh, and until, until then, I guess I'll just keep doing that. But this was, uh, yeah, this was fun, John. Good. We got to take a little trip around food and places and leaps and songs and a lot of meat. Well, I'll cheer for you from the beach drinking my balance point <laughs> while you're surfing um, or, or whatever. I could probably throw a rock in San Diego and find a brewery I've never heard of or drank before. And that sounds like fine. a dream. I know. And that's right. That is always the most exciting part. And really, that's the heart of, I think, um, what your Small Brewer Sunday is all about. It's like if you haven't taken a second to look and see who's opened up in the last year or who's doing something new as a new series, as a new seasonal for the winter, take time to do it now and grab it. You know, there are a lot of black Friday releases coming up. There are a lot of holiday beer releases happening. Um, You know, if you can, um, you know, if you can, if you haven't looked at a little bit, take some time, jump on untapped, jump online, find your favorite breweries on Facebook and see what they're up to. Cause they're all, 
ton right now. And, you know, to keep up and check out yourself is what this is this all about. I said earlier, the most important thing you can do is support your local craft brewery. But I want to redact that and say the most important thing you can do is make more craft brewery fans. So just for Christmas, right? Oh, man, I forgot to Christmas shop. Trust me. It's going to be here before you know it. We've got almost literally a month to go. So you have to start shopping in, what, 28 days. That's right. Go to your local brewery, order a pint or two or a takeout growler, and just get gift cards and turn your whole family into beer fans. And if they don't want to be beer fans, they'll just give you the gift card back. It's the (laughs) gift that you buy yourself. (laughs) Everybody wins. Yeah. Um, and if you can't leave the house or you don't want to, or you're tired of Netflix and you've already tiger kinged, check out untapped.tv on the internet. Um, Greg just wrapped up an interview with Tristan Chan, who's the founder of porchdrinking.com. It's a great website. There's a lot of like beer information that gets posted on there. Um, next Tuesday, he's hosting Mandy Naglage, who Harrison and I might be in love with. <laughs> she travels, she cooks, she writes, she's been on our IBU game show, and she's an award-winning home brewer. I know. Um, she puts us to shame. Mandy's incredible, and she's going to be on uh, untapped.tv with Greg uh, Tuesday coming up. It'll be fantastic. Well, thanks for hanging out again, guys. And we got to drink some pillow forts tonight, which is kind of a wild idea. I have to go after this, probably take apart a couple pillow forts in the <laughs> living room that I've been eyeing all day from the kiddos. Maybe I'll fall asleep in it and surprise them tomorrow morning. That'll be terrifying. The weighted blanket. No. That's ah, inside. A super inside joke. That's good, John. Um, but you know, we talked about cheesesteaks and beer. Dreams came true today, and we've got Thanksgiving to look forward to tomorrow. If you're watching this, you know, the day it came out, and in you know, in stateside, of course, since Thanksgiving is something kind of unique to us, Canada has their own too. But even if you're not here in the states, it's always good to be thankful. And there's never a bad time to eat a turkey leg or any kind of part of the turkey. So wherever we are, hope we can celebrate. Be thankful for just a couple things, um, as John and I are for many things, um, and. Uh, and yeah, what's happening next week? So next week, something chocolatey this way comes. Ooh. Uh, we're going to be basically drinking through an advent calendar of beer, which usually can be chocolate. In our case, it's going to be fermented cans and bottles. On next week's episode, though, we're drinking the chocolate beer that stole the hearts of Southeastern America and anyone else that could get their hands on it. <laughs> Um, tune in next week for Yingling's Hershey's Chocolate Porter. It's going to be good. For the rest of you, show notes and those links to Small Brew Sunday and independent craft breweries and how to earn the badge, that's going to be available at podcast.untap.com. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you have any questions, you can connect with Untaps there. Uh, or directly with Harrison and I at facebook.com slash drinking socially. There's a group on there, which we try our best to manage, but basically it's just pictures of beer that make me jealous. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and other than that, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>